You're listening to Goat Rodeo. Keep it around for us. Welcome back to Failure. I'm your host, Kate Riley. This month, we have three failures about trying to fit in. Without further ado, here's our first story from Laura. My first job after college was a two-year stint teaching high school math at a boarding school in England. I had never been to England before and knew no one there. So I was going to start from scratch with new colleagues, new friends, a new country. And the pressure was on. I spent the summer after graduating hanging out with friends and family in the U.S. and saving up for exciting European adventures. In late August, I left my home in New Jersey with nothing but a couple suitcases and $700 of travel money. After a red-eye flight and two trains, I finally arrived at my new flat in England. There's a note slipped under the door. One of the biology teachers has invited me to an Ann Summers party she's having that night. Now, I have no idea who Ann Summers is, and after my travels, I'm exhausted. But I don't want to seem like I'm not up for meeting people, so I make my way over. As soon as I walk in, Lizzie, the biology teacher and the hostess, immediately hands me an overflowing glass of champagne. Ladies, new tits have arrived. I look around, and it seems to be all women teachers ranging in age from 20s to 60s. And something's pretty weird about the decor of this party. Garters are hanging from the ceiling, bras are peeping out of flower vases, and there's definitely a thong in the toaster. After my first glass of champagne, I learned that Ann Summers is not a person, but a British lingerie store. After my second glass of champagne, I learned that an Ann Summers party is kind of like a risque Tupperware party where a representative from the store comes with merchandise for everyone to look at and possibly purchase. And what I learned over my third glass of champagne is that people in England drink a shitload of champagne. A few more glasses on my empty stomach, and it's time to pass around the Ann Summers lingerie. And everyone starts trying them on. I mean, I never could have imagined that one day I would be trying on a red velvet camisole next to a 60-year-old social studies teacher squeezing into a fishnet jumpsuit. And she looked good. As I'm trying out one of the lingerie sets, the Ann Summers lady comes over. That teddy really brings out your eye color she tells me, while thrusting an order form into my lap. You know, I think she's right. And look at that lovely leopard print bra. As I'm trying on that bra, I get a vague, uncomfortable feeling that people are watching me. Whoa, wait, wait, wait. This is my first introduction to my colleagues. Am I acting too drunk? Or am I just being really fun? As I throw back a shot of Jameson, I realize I'm definitely being really fun. A few drinks later, and the Ann Summers lady has an announcement. Ladies, ladies, I'm now bringing out what you have been waiting for, the dildos. At this point, the alcohol is in full force, and I start to get emotional. Specifically, I start getting homesick for my friends back in the U.S. So when she passes around the pocket pleaser, perfect for that boring work meeting, I think of my friend Julia, who's always complaining about boring work meetings. Next, when I see the hands-free tickler, I think, 
My friend Erica is always multitasking. She could use an extra hand. After seeing a few more, I suddenly realized that if there's a lid for every pot, there's got to be a dildo for every girl. And that's how I get the brilliant idea of getting a personalized vibrator for every one of my best friends back home. Drunken tears of happiness come to my eyes as I envision each of my friends arriving home, tired, from a long day of work to find a cock-shaped package at their door with the words paravion splashed across the top. And thus explains why that, that next morning, I wake up staring at a 500-pound receipt that's $700 for the Rampant Rabbit Bendy one, the Rampant Rabbit Throbbing one, the Rampant Rabbit Rotating one, the Dirty Dolphin Waterproof, the Noir Bullet, the Clit Tickler Rocket, the Endless Love, the Dancing Johnson, the One-Eyed King, and of course, the Margaret Thatcher. At this point, I'm not sure what's worse, that I spent my entire vacation fund on vibrators or that my first act among new colleagues is to spend my entire vacation fund on vibrators. After a few painful wallowing hours, I start to strategize for how I'm going to deal with this disaster. Okay, first, the vacation funds. I have to try to cancel this order. I call the number on the receipt. Someone picks up. Hello, Ann Summers. Uh, okay, I need to cancel an order I made at a party last night. I'm sorry, but all sales are final. I started to panic. I'm American, it's my first night in the country, and I accidentally got really drunk. I'm sorry, Mom, but all sales are final. And I spent 500 pounds on vibrators. Okay, let me see what I can do for you. By some miracle, she lets me cancel most of my order, leaving me with one lingerie set and a couple of pocket pleasers. So my vacation is saved, and now I can turn to the second major problem, which is my reputation. There isn't much I can do here other than to convince myself that the other women at the party probably didn't notice what I was ordering. So by the first day of school, I've put this event behind me, and I'm ready to start afresh. I get to the computer cluster early to send some emails, and I sit next to another young-looking teacher. He looks up and says, Hello, I'm Steve. Hi, I say, I'm, I'm Laura. I'm a new teacher here. Me too, nice to meet you. We go back to our emails. After a few minutes, he looks up again. Can I ask you a question? I nod, happy to help. Were the batteries included? And so that's a story of why, for the first two years of my adult life, I was known as the Dildo Queen of New Jersey. Our next story is from Bridget. Okay. Well, first, I want to say, for the record, <laughs> that I am here today because a few months ago, Caitlin came to me and said, hey, Kate, I mean... Oh, I messed it up already. <laughs> you said, okay, a few months ago, you came to me and you're like, hey, Bridge, I started a new podcast. It's called Failure. Will you be in it? <laughs> and at that moment, I was both proud, slightly flattered, and utterly offended, <laughs> just for the record, and you need to work on that. Like, I'd seen you go through visitation, which is an all-girls Catholic high school. And sort of watching you go through it 
it seemed like it was the place you found like your second sisters and your best friends for life and all that. And I'd seen you guys like you had a very tight knit group of friends. You were always hanging out and doing weird things. I like distinctly remember for your sweet 16, you had all your friends over at like some beach house. And I distinctly remember you all piling onto this couch. Like one of you was on top of everybody else to like take a picture. And so like this was my picture of like visitation friendships, you know, these really close, tight-knit groups where they did crazy things and were like weird and it was okay. And I thought as an outsider, well, this is kind of weird, but it's also kind of nice. And like this just must be what visitation is like, you know? So I came into my first few weeks of high school with this impression of like what friendships were like at this new place I was going to where I knew absolutely no one. And, you know, so the pressure was kind of on because you had gone through, had made all these great friends. I had to live up to that expectation and kind of like keep it going, you know, and I also didn't have quite the best social record myself. I mean, middle school is kind of shitty like it is for everyone. It was for me too. Sixth grade, I was that girl sitting at the desk pretending to read a book about warrior cats while I actually was listening to the cool kids at the back of the room and all their inside jokes. And I was like, why is this funny? I don't get it. <laughs> Never sparking up the courage to go back there and just ask them why it was funny. So your experience of visitation and my past sort of social failures, <laughs> made the first few weeks of high school a little stressful and daunting. It also made me really want to, you know, find what you had found. And so it was with this mindset that I found myself sitting in the common area of visitation, which is like the area where all the freshmen hung out. And it was like a big space where we had our lockers, but there's also like tons of couches all around. And that's where all the freshmen like sat and hung out during their breaks and freeze and everything. It was the first... Week of school, I was sitting in the middle of the commons, you know, like surrounded by people, all talking, but somehow I was alone amongst all these people. And I was just like thinking like, oh my gosh, this is not going well. Like I'm just sitting here. I, I don't really know anybody yet. Look at all these people. They're having a great time. Getting more and more anxious as I was sitting there eating my goldfish. So absorbed in myself, suddenly I noticed and out of the corner of my eye, these girls were like roughhousing. Like maybe they were playing keep away or something. Totally, yeah, roughhousing is how I would describe it. <clears throat> and I just thought to myself like, oh, wow, look at them. They just met each other like a week ago. Look at them. They're already like great friends, you know, already so comfortable with each other. Like what is wrong with me that I like I came in with them and I'm not at this same place with other people like look at them. They're, they're actually trying. And maybe that's my problem. Maybe I'm not trying hard enough to make friends. That's clearly the issue. These girls, they're trying. And look, it's working. It's wonderful. Like, look at these great friendships being made. So <clears throat> I thought, well, you just got to start trying. And like, you better start now. Like, if you don't start now, it's never going to happen. So I decided I, at this moment, I leapt up from my seat on the couch, ran over to where the girls were roughhousing, and I threw up my arm and screamed, pig pile! And I jumped into the fray, at which point everybody stopped. <laughs> and <clears throat> they all kind of like looked at me and dispersed, except for this one girl 
Bryn, who came over and like patted me on the back and was like, that was awesome. What's your name? And I was like, Bridget. And she's like, I'm Bryn. That was awesome. Totally cool, man. Yeah, so that was that. I later found out that these girls had gone to school with each other from first to eighth grade, and some of them were cousins. I found that out in hindsight, obviously. I wouldn't really become friends with any of them. I would see them in passing and, you know, politely nod my head, but they were definitely not the friends I ended up making at visitation. Bryn was always very nice and always be like, hey, Bridget. She kind of treated me like you would treat like a three-legged dog, you know, like any effort they made, they got rewarded like doubly because, you know, they were so pitiful. (laughs) Anyway, the pig pile did not land me any success in the friendship realm, but I did eventually find sort of the second sisters I think you found at visitation. And I still friends with them to this day. They're the women who challenge me, who make me laugh, and we never pig pile, no. Yeah, the, yeah, pig piling is not a part of our friendship dynamic, but. Our next story is from Rachel Hinton. I have always been what you would call an anxious pooper. I require complete solitude, preferably silence, I lived with my wife for a few years at this point, and I'm pretty sure that she has no evidence that I have ever pooped, and I intend to keep it that way. Somebody with my particular condition, uh, traveling in general is hard, but traveling with strangers is impossible. When I first moved to D.C. around eight years ago, I didn't know anybody, and I thought a good way to meet people might be to join a church. So I met this woman named Becky who told me that her church was getting ready to go on an extra-long Labor Day weekend retreat, and if I could just take a day or two off of work, I could join them and sound like a great idea. Not fully realizing that this meant that I was committing to spending multiple days in the woods with strangers. Days one, two, and three were not ideal because in addition to being anxious, I'm also quite regular. By the time day four had rolled around, the situation had grown dire, and I decided that it was time to grab the only one-seater in the encampment and just hope for privacy. I'm going to spare you some details here, but let's just say that when I finished my business and I turned around and I looked in the toilet, what I saw was a single specimen, but it was mighty. In terms of length as well as girth, It might be the single largest turd that has ever been produced by anyone in the history of mankind, and I made it. I felt mortified, and if I'm being really honest, a little proud. I went to pull down the handle and flush away this evidence that I am a human that poops, and nothing happened. There was not a clog. There was not an attempt. It was like the toilet just did not get the signal. So I did what everybody does in that situation, picked up the back of the toilet and looked in, but there's not like a cheat code taped back there or anything, and so since I'm not a plumber, that didn't do any good, and I just had to put the lid back on the back of the toilet. I thought about just making a break for it, but I wasn't entirely sure that there wasn't someone out there waiting already, and these are like helpful church-going people, so what if it was some guy who was like, let me see if I could fix it, and he'd walk in, and there's not a cover to the toilet, and I would all just be out there and exposed... And he would say nothing to my face, but he would definitely tell other people. And I would very quickly go from being the new girl to the girl with the giant poops. I'm just going to pause here for a second and say, up until now, you might be with me with this story. We all have an embarrassing poop story. And I know that this is the point in time where I'm going to lose you. 
because I proceeded to make a series of absurd and unacceptable choices that I can only say were fueled by a combination of shame and panic. So here we go. I decided in that moment that under whatever circumstances necessary, I needed to get rid of the poop. So I scanned my environment to look for my options. There was not a trash can. There was not a window. Because, yeah, I was like, maybe I'll just toss a little fucker out the window. It'll be fine. It's the woods. But there was a sink. And I thought, if I can just get this mega turd from the toilet to the sink, I can run some hot water. It'll melt down. We'll be good to go. So having never touched my own poop before, I had to wrestle through some stuff, but I also had to act quickly. I grabbed two handfuls of toilet paper and I proceeded to make the transfer. And it was sturdy, so it survived the journey. I turned on the hot water and I immediately realized that I did not know as much about the composition of poop as I probably should have before I committed to this course. The first couple of layers melted away as planned, but what emerged was a solid and not water-soluble granola core. This is when I began to have a full-on panic attack. Because it's one thing to be the girl with the giant poops. It's another thing to be the girl that shits in a sink. You don't want to be that girl. Luckily, as our ancestors trained our animal brains, desperation makes us creative. And I looked down, and I realized that the drain was the type that you could unscrew. And I thought, if I can just remove this drain, I can grab some more toilet paper, I can pick it up and just drop it down, and we'll be good to go. So I grabbed a few more chunks of toilet paper and proceeded with Operation Vertical Drop. And I thought it was successful, because it disappeared. So I started to run the hot water and scrub the shit stains off the side of the sink. But instead of draining, the sink just slowly began to fill with brown stink water. And this is when I realized that this was going to be the room that I would die. I was never coming out. They would all just go home, and I would just be that girl that they met once, and they left in the woods, and that would just be the end of it. And my eyes began to fill with tears as I was coming to terms with my own fate. I looked out of the corner of my eye, and I saw that there was a plunger leaning up against the wall. It was covered with cobwebs, but didn't care. Getting bit by a black widow would be a welcome exit from the current situation. I grabbed it, I turned it upside down, and I just began to jam the wooden handle down the drain until the granola turd was decimated. (laughs) And the water ran, and the sink cleared, and I just, barehanded now, no need for paper towels, just began pumping soap and quite literally scrubbing the shit out of myself, the plunger, and the sink. And I walked outside, and of course there was no one there. Let's be clear, this was all unnecessary. But I had my head held high, because even though it was a little touch-and-go there, I had pulled it off. Or so I thought. That night, final night of the trip, I grabbed my toothbrush, and I start heading to the communal bathroom. And as soon as I open the door, I am just hit with this strong sulfur smell. And Becky, my original friend from the trip, is standing at the sink, and a woman's getting out of the shower in a towel, and she looks at Becky, and she says is everything all right with, like, the water with this facility? Like, it smells kind of funny. And Becky goes, oh, don't worry. This facility has two separate septic tanks. Everything that comes down through the toilet goes into the black water tank, and they don't reuse it. Everything that comes down through the sinks or the showers goes into the gray water tank, and that's what they recycle and pump back. So you're good. 
So I immediately turned around because I knew I was not going to be brushing my teeth that night. And as I walked back into the woods to my cabin, I thought about all that had transpired in the past 12 hours or so. I've gone from being the new girl to the girl with the giant poops to the girl who shits in a sink to the girl that shits on an entire congregation of people. And the term holy shit has had new meaning for me ever since. Thanks for tuning in and special thanks to Laura, Bridget, and Rachel for sharing stories this month. Until next time, when we might sound something like this. I once made it to the finals of the tryouts for Kids Jeopardy, but they determined I wasn't telegenic enough, which is a hard thing for a 12-year-old to hear. Failure is produced by Goat Rodeo and me, Kate Riley. To find shows like this one at more, visit us at GoatRodeoDC.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GoatRodeoDC. I'm Kate Riley, and this is Failure. Keep an ear out for us. <laughs>